commercial is very corporate. You're dealing with people who, who don't play games and there's no emotions whatsoever. Everyone just cares about the numbers. So you just have to be very sharp with your numbers. You have to be good at math and you, there's, there's no room for error in commercial because it's numbers don't lie. Welcome back, real estate rock stars. I'm Shelby Johnson, and today I am here with Carly Chinses. So Carly is out of Miami, Florida, and she is a commercial real estate agent. She is NAR's 30 under 30 award winner, a platinum broker, a power broker. She reps billion dollar companies, has been doing it for five-ish years. And I'm really excited to dive into this because I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, I'm interested in commercial real estate, but what does that actually mean? What does my day-to-day look like? Like, you know, so uh, Carly, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Will you tell us how you got into real estate? So I was actually in technology before I pursued real estate. I was pursuing a startup when I was in college and then when I got out of college. And then long story short, my app just went totally downhill. I was involved in a couple lawsuits. My code got stolen. And all I knew was that I was really good at selling. And I knew a lot of investors. I knew a lot of people who had money, who wanted to place it in different companies. So like a typical failed startup, I was like, let me just get a real estate license. I know it sounds super stereotypical, but that's what I did. And I ended up actually falling in love with the real estate sector of it, specifically commercial, because I do have a business background, which is what I studied in in school. And I just decided like, I like numbers. I like dealing with business owners and it's very straightforward and to the point. Did you start out in commercial or did you do residential and then make the switch? So I never had a desire to do residential. At first, like maybe my first month or two in real estate, I would go to like some open houses and I would talk to people and I was just there. And I remember being in an open house one time and I'm just like, I don't think I can sell this bathroom or this kitchen. I was like, it's not for me. And then I just pursued commercial like right away. I, I knew myself and it's something that I realized like very early on what I wanted to do. Okay. And I'm sure people listening are like, oh, I'm interested in commercial, but I don't even know. Again, I don't really know what that means or how to get into it. So would you kind of describe what you actually do? So commercial is very broad. There's a lot of different asset classes. It's not like it's residential real estate where you just have like a single family home or a condominium. Commercial, there's medical, there's lands, there's warehouses, there's offices and hotels. And it's just, it's everything. So when people ask sometimes like, oh, how's the commercial market? It's like, well, you can't really compare restaurants to office leasing because it's night and day. And there's such different types of businesses. So definitely I feel like the day-to-day is is a little bit difficult to explain because it just really depends on which asset class am I specifically working on that day because it totally changes the whole landscape of the business. Do you work in all of those different asset classes or have you niched down into one? So definitely because I've been doing this for a few years now, I have done transactions in every single type of asset class, both sales and leasing. And from my experience, I feel like I like mostly doing uh, office leasing and office sales are the ones that I like the most. 
and also doing land assemblages because like you get to just kind of assemble a bunch of properties together and then sell it to a developer where we go vertical. So that's pretty fun too, but it's not that there's one over another one, but definitely it's, it's pretty broad out there, but definitely offices and lands are the, the two that I do the most. Okay. Let's dig into offices then. So you mentioned leasing and sales. So like, Mm -hmm. how does it work? Like you're in Miami and I am a business owner and I'm looking for an office. Let's just say to buy, I want to buy an office and I know nothing else other than that. Will you help, help me? Yeah. So definitely I would ask for the business owner. It's how many employees you do you have? Because usually you want to know how big of an office space that they would need. So typically when we're looking at offices, we like to like calculate between 100 to 150 square feet per person that's going to be working out of the office. So then that's how we calculate the actual size of the space. And then whether it's like buying or or selling or buying or, or leasing, I'm sorry, then that would just change how many like how long of a term you want to do and in which type of areas. So with commercial, it's all about access. So a lot of times everyone is always like location, location, location. Commercial is about access. And it's like, how can you go? What's your egress? What's your ingress into the different properties? How close are you to public transportation, to turnpikes, to expressways? And that's usually like what you want to see is what's the type of business and then how are you able to access the office with your staff and your employees? Do you have clients coming in? And then the different types of areas. So it's like, do you need to be in an ultra luxury office building or can you be in something a little bit more boutique and more classy? So it just really depends on who the end operator is. And then of course the budget uh, comes, it's a really big play. Totally. Okay. So I am this business owner and I came to you and I have X amount of employees and you've asked me about, you know, what kind of area I'm interested in, the access I need. And you've, you've gained all that information from me. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. so do you like set me up on a search in the MLS? Are you like handpicking and then going and presenting them to me? Like, how does, how does that piece work? So I, I actually don't use the MLS. The MLS is very bad for commercial. Um, I mean, I have some properties on MLS, but for the most part, I don't really use it. And anytime somebody calls me that they saw my listing through MLS, I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to have to deal with a residential broker who has no idea what they're doing. But for the most part, like, I feel like I like to know my clients very well. And trust is very important for me to build right off of the bat with my clients. And I would mention, like, I usually know everything that my clients need. And then I give them a list of a couple properties that I hand select for them. And I say, this would be good because of this reason. That one would be good because of this other one. And it's usually very handpicked when I send properties over to my clientele. Okay. So understanding your clients very well and building trust. Got it. So Mm -hmm. what else besides those things, you know, the questions about the number of employees, access and areas, like how else are you getting to know like a total sense of your clients? So definitely in the type of business that they operate, because a lot of businesses, they would have multiple locations 
or they have other properties that they need to piggyback off of. So for example, a couple of years ago, I did a deal. It was for a food catering company and they just do, they, they just cater food to, to companies and they rely a lot on their warehouses. And I remember when I met them, they told me that they wanted to be in a certain area of Miami because they felt like it was the best to get an office in there. But where all their warehouses were, it was in a totally different submarket. And they were very against getting an office near their warehouses. And I told them, and I said, you need to trust me. Like, I bet you you're going to be very happy with an office over here. I ended up, they finally, they listened to me. It took them a little bit because they were they were kind of hard-headed and where they wanted to sign their office lease. But I got them to sign an office lease that was maybe just like a 10-minute drive to their warehouses. And they were super happy. They ended up signing almost a 10-year lease. I saved them about a million dollars on the deal. I got them a year worth of free rent. And they even came back to me like two, three years later saying, oh, just letting you know, like this was the best decision we ever made. We're sorry we didn't trust you sooner. You definitely know what you're doing and we should have listened to you with the location and everything. So sometimes I feel like I know Miami and I know businesses. And when it comes to the trust, it's very early to build it early on. And sometimes like the clients don't know what they want. And that's why I always have to relay the message as like, you hire me because you know that I know what I'm doing. And it's like, if they feel like that they want something else, sometimes you have to tell people what they don't want to hear. And you just have to put on, like, I have to put on my big girl pants and, and own it. And I'm like, no, you know what? Like, that you don't want that. You want this. And just getting them to listen to you and to trust you is everything. When you mentioned before, you know, no MLS, no good. Um, you hand select them. Mm -hmm. Where are you hand selecting them from? So definitely first is I have like a huge database and I'm part of multiple different group chats with a lot of different commercial agents. So anytime I sign on a new client, I would message my direct network first with the criteria. And usually because like the circles, they're, they're small, but they're big then that way I can just have people feed me the information right away before I actually go online and I do a search. And then there's multiple commercial platforms that I use. The ones that I use pretty regularly are CoStar and Crexy are definitely like the top two commercial programs that I use. And, and those are pretty costly. Like those you have to be, you have to pay to use those on a monthly basis. And then other than that, I just, I know a lot of people. So, and I know most of the buildings in Miami so I can just make like a couple phone calls and, and because like if I've done other transactions and buildings before, and if I bring in a new client that I know would like it, I'll just call the reps over there or I'll say, oh, do you have any other space? And usually it's just a couple phone calls that I do. A quick word on our toolbox. We know it can be overwhelming thinking about all of the systems you want to build into your business. And that is why we ask guests to submit their favorite checklist, template, or tracker so you don't have to build from the ground up. Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and click toolbox for your free access. Thanks so much. You mentioned that you know business and you know the area and you know what you're doing. How 
if someone's listening and they wanted to get into commercial real estate, how do you recommend is the best way for them to go from, I don't know anything to where you're at now in regards to like learning the industry? Yeah, it's a lot of patience, but you have to have it's micro patience or macro, like macro patience and micro patience. So what I mean by that is that you have to be working consistently on your business every single day. It's just knowing the market every single day. It's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is like for the first couple hours of my day, I'm researching the market. I'm reading articles. I'm looking at the prices of everything that has sold, everything that has leased. So somebody can ask me any single asset class of commercial, what are the sales prices and what are the leasing prices? And I know that data to the core and I have consistent updates every single day on it. So it's definitely not just something that you could learn by taking a course. It really just happens by being boots in the ground. You have to be in the market. You have to be talking with other professionals. You have to be talking with business owners and seeing like you, you have to listen to the market and you have to really be out there. It took me a couple years to really get the feel of it because at the beginning, it's very slow. And when you're dealing with commercial is very corporate, you're dealing with people who, who don't play games and there's no emotions whatsoever. Everyone just cares about the numbers. So you just have to be very sharp with your numbers. You have to be good at math and you, there's, there's no room for error in commercial because it's numbers don't lie. Where are you finding clients? Cause now we have an understanding of what you need to do ish to become mm-hmm. an expert, but let's say you are an expert and you said, you know, a lot of people, where are you building your client base? Where are your clients coming from? So definitely referrals. I would say is like the number one place that most of my clients come from is that would be maybe like 50% of my clients. And then the remaining just comes from my network and being out and about. Like I've learned that you have to be a very good communicator and every single person that I meet is a potential client. So I'm part of multiple different organizations. I'm constantly going out. I'm constantly meeting people. And I just make sure that I follow up with my existing network. And like most of the times, like people in my network, they're not based on my clients. My network is people who is going to refer me clients. So I just stick a lot with my current relationships and who they can connect me with and places where there's no other brokers. Like I like to walk into a room where I'm the only person who does what I do because that's where endless opportunities usually are. What are those places and how do you get there? It just, I mean, I'm not going to say all my secrets, but definitely just being, being a local celebrity and just going to the same places. And for example, like there's like a, a place that I go to that I am a regular. I have been going there since they've opened. I go to the specific place, maybe three or four times a week. I know everybody who works there anybody who usually goes around that area, you start seeing the people who go there frequently. And just by staying consistent with like your local coffee shop or your local bar or your local restaurant, people start to get to know you. And then you're sitting there, you're having conversations. And then naturally they would say, oh, like, what do you do? Or that person over there needs you. And you become top of mind because you kind of 
farm, like a specific, a specific place. So usually I do that. And then of course, just like charities, I'm pretty involved in like multiple different nonprofit organizations and everybody usually comes from different backgrounds or I'm part of like construction organizations, land organizations, like people like different chambers. So all of that is just growing the network. And it's just a matter of showing up because if you just go somewhere one time, no one is going to know who you are. A person has to hear something or see something at least seven times for them to remember it. So it's like a lot of times I see people lose hope because things aren't happening so quickly, but they're just, they're not consistent with constantly showing up, having conversations, because then it just ends up coming back to you. It's all about patience. Yeah, I think it's smart how you are um, picking, you know, the charities, the organizations, the chambers, all of that stuff. And then also, like, you didn't specifically say this, but I assume it's not just any coffee shop or any restaurant you're going to. I, I assume there's probably some thought of like, you know, oh, where, yeah. yeah, where are the type of people I want to work with hanging out? Like what part, you know, Miami. So it's like, okay, mm -hmm. this is more luxury. Maybe if I want to break into that space, I go to X, Y, and Z restaurant because that's where all of the, the, you know, rich people, business owners. Exactly. Or, yeah. So yeah, some strategy in there. Love it. Mm -hmm. Yes. For pricing. We haven't really talked about price yet. And how does pricing commercial office leases work? So it all depends on the building, first of all, if it's a class A, a class B, or a class C. So when you think class A, you think trophy location, luxury, lots of amenities, beautiful finishes. And then class C would be something like a little bit older, more musty. Uh, just not as like sexy of a, of a building. So, and also the location. And, and there's a lot of buildings, even from one block to the next, where you'll see maybe like a $50 price per square foot difference just because of the building class. So first it comes down to, okay, what location it is, is it in? And then second is what type of asset class is the building? Okay. Gotcha. And do you just like run comps kind of like normal where you pick up solds and, and you're finding sold data on CoStar and Cruxy or how yes. does that work? <laughs> so a lot of deals in commercial are actually done off market. So getting comparables is very, very challenging if you don't know people. So it's so crucial to be able to have conversations with all the commercial brokers in the area figure out what deals they're doing, what deals they're working on, because that gives you like a good sense of the market in terms of pricing. And a lot of times commercial properties are undisclosed, even for rents. So if you have somebody who's walking into a market who doesn't even know what the average prices are going for, it could be pretty difficult for somebody who's not really that active. But definitely, I mean, the comps that I pull are mostly from CoStar. It's the program that I have found the best, in my opinion, to be able to do these reports for me. But it's just making sure that everything is current because, for example, like when the pandemic started, everyone thought that office was dead. And I never thought office was dead. Like actually during the pandemic was the most office leases that I've ever signed. But all the office leases that I have ever done have only been in class A buildings. And 
that definitely it shows that the market is in a class A. It, it, it's just, it's all class A. And that's what all the office tenants want is that they would rather have a smaller space and pay a higher price to be in a better building. So it just really comes down to what is the current market state that we're in? Is the building going to be under construction anytime soon? Is the building going to become for sale at any given point? And we have to take all those factors into consideration, which really just take time and they take practice in the market to really know. So I like, I like to walk down the streets and I'm always like, this building is this, their prices are going for this, 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 and, and then I go to the next building. I'm like, that building is, so it's like little games that I always play with myself every time I'm driving on the road, anytime I'm walking, I like to know the market cold. Yeah, that's super cool. I, I will all, I would like to also play that game. We'll see. Um, <laughs> CoStar, you mentioned CoStar and Cruxley, and you mentioned CoStar is your favorite. Um but also that it was expensive. How much is CoStar per month, per so year? CoStar is about like $7,000 a year uh, just to be able to access it. And it's also LoopNet is like part partner owner of CoStar. And in order to have your listings on LoopNet, you have to pay like a few hundred dollars a month. And it could even get up to a few thousand dollars a month, depending on the type of exposure. It's kind of like a pay to play type of system. Real quick, as you likely know, the 2024 Real Estate Rockstars Mastermind is sold out. But if one of your preferred vendors is looking for marketing opportunities, we are looking for sponsors. We would love to get their name and business out to 80 highly motivated real estate agents from across the country. Know someone who'd be interested? Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and shoot us a quick email for more information. Thanks so much. Back to the show. Interesting. Yeah, that is pricey. Mm -hmm. So and how pricey as well, you have to pay for it's a few hundred dollars a month. And is that something that your firm covers or is that your own out of pocket expense? Um, I'd rather not answer that question. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, another question you might not want to answer, but I'm curious is what do commissions look like? Because I know, I mean, you know, you're not supposed to say like what a commission is in real estate 3% or 6%, whatever. But like, <laughs> is it... Can you give me at least some broad scope of what to expect on the commercial side in regard to commissions? So it all depends on the structure of the deal. I mean, I have done deals which are land and they only pay maybe like less than a point of commission. And sometimes you have to split that point amongst like five or six different brokers just because the deal is so big and there's so many people involved. Other times, like for leases, it's like three to 4% commission. Other times you can get 6%. Uh, it just really depends on, on the asset class that you're selling. And it's usually negotiable, especially when you're doing deals off market. The commission structure tends to be a lot more challenging of a conversation to have with owners. And it's oftentimes that the buyers pay commission when working on these off market deals which is pretty uncommon to see, especially like in the residential market, the seller pays, but I have been paid by my buyers many times on deals before. And I make sure that that's fully in writing that in the event, the seller doesn't pay, the buyer has to pay. And it, hypothetically on these, I guess we can stick to leases or we can talk about all of them land, you know, one point mm -hmm. leases three to 4%, whatever. 
what are the size like how big of a land deal and i know obviously it varies but like just for my brain to eat even at least be in the ballpark what are we looking at in terms of what for deal size or commission size or what deal size deal size i mean it can range you can do something like a little duplex or a fourplex or you can be selling a piece of land to build anywhere from 800 to a thousand units so it it all varies Let's do the land example. How much, mm-hmm. what would a general land deal look like for, what did you just say? 800,000 units? Or like 800 to 1,000 units. Yeah. 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 Hit me. What, so, what would that look those, like? <laughs> lot, lots of hours, lots of, lots of calls with attorneys. Um, it's actually not, it's, this is the side of commercial that a lot of people don't see is that it's very financial. It's very legal. And like being a broker on one of these land deals is probably like the most challenging thing to do because there's deals that I have been working on for well over a year and you don't get paid until the deal closes, which is really challenging sometimes, but you just have to be like hopeful that you're going in the right direction. It's about making sure that all the studies are in place, that you have relationships with your local politicians. Um, being like locally or politically connected is a huge factor in commercial real estate because we have to make sure that is the city and is the county pro development. So for example, like there's specific municipalities that are very anti-development. So I'm not going to go bring one of my developers who wants to build 300 units into a city that doesn't want to develop because I know that they'll never be able to get permits. They'll never be able to get their plans and they're just going to be throwing their money in the garbage. So following the local politics is huge in terms of land development, because if you get them on your side and if you get them to show that you're going to be helping the economy and that they're going to definitely support the developments. If someone is considered considering getting into commercial real estate, what would you tell them to mentally prepare for how long to go without income? Uh, definitely. It really, it depends on the asset class that you're pursuing. I mean, if you only want to be a tenant rep, then you can make money relatively quickly just because those deals tend to happen a little bit faster sometimes, depending on if the space is turnkey or if the space has to be built out, but definitely plan to go a couple months without having any income because Commercial is about knowing the numbers and it's about experience. And it's, I, I can only speak from like my personal experiences that when I was starting off, I remember my first check was like $500. Cause I did the smallest office lease that was like probably the size of my bedroom. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I was like, this is actually very tough. And then it kind of like changes your mentality. Okay, the bigger the office, the longer years that they sign, then it's just a matter of how hard you work and how quickly you can get people to, to sign. So I like to tend to work with businesses that like one, their leases are expiring soon and also directly with business owners more so than investors because business owners tend to be a little bit more flexible with their budgets. And also they have a sense of urgency. And I like to deal with people who actually need it rather than people who just want it. 
And because it just, it changes the deal and it changes like how quickly things can get done. Real quick, before we get back to the episode, two things I wanted to share. First, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. It really means the world to all of us. Second, we feel like we're just getting started. If you enjoy what we do here, please follow us on this app, share an episode, or give us a quick review. I promise we're working hard behind the scenes to make this show as good as possible now and into the future. Thanks guys, back to the show. I've definitely seen that on the residential side mm-hmm. as well. I've worked with yeah. a lot of investors and it is, you're totally right. It's really challenging when it's just a want and not a need we yes. have to make this happen. Cause then they're, you know, well, what, what's your timeline? Oh, you know, you know, next five years would be great to close. I'm like, yeah, yes. great. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you are, I mean, this is all super helpful. I've learned so much personally. I'm I'm sure (laughs) listeners have as well. What does the future hold for you? You're five years in the game. You're crushing it. And looking ahead, what do you see? So definitely I want to start my own brokerage. I mean, that's something that I have talked about since day one. It's it's not something that I, I keep in the dark. And I have some other things that I'm working on, but nothing that I like to, to talk about too much just because I don't, I don't want to get any bad juju back from the universe. Uh, so definitely have my own company. I'm working on building a team and I just, I want to make commercial uh, industry that women aren't afraid to be part of. So definitely by being a female in commercial real estate, about 95% of the people I deal with are men. So I do want to work on like building a team with more, more women oriented and trying to like limit the corporate component of it and making it because I mean, most of the commercial brokerages, they're just, they're very hyper-specific. You have to make a certain amount of calls a day. You have a bunch of like, all the guys look the same. They all wear oversized suits. And it's just, I want to make that very different. Like I want to make commercial sexy and fun. And like, it can be young, it can be chic. Like, it's just like, that's the image I want to give to commercial is like commercial is not, it's not scary. And a lot of people think that it is, but it's not, it's actually really fun. Okay. People are listening right now and they're like, yeah, I'm all about it. Love her vibe. Want to connect. Where do they go? Uh, on social media is probably the best place to find me. And is it just your name? Yes, you hit us with the hand. I'm Carly Chinsis on everything. And I'm the only person who has my name in the world. So it's, it's definitely that that's it. Perfect. And in case you are listening, um, there, her Instagram, all of her website, everything will be included in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So you can just go there and click, please connect with, with Carly. And especially if you're interested in real estate, especially if you're a woman who's trying to change the way that people look at commercial real estate, I feel like Carly is your girl. And, uh, is there anything else, Carly, that you want listeners to know or words of wisdom? Just be patient. That's it. Be patient, but be consistent. Patience and consistent. Yep. That's, Mm -hmm. yep, for sure. I'm with you. Perfect. (laughs) 
Well, Carly, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Really insightful. Really enjoyed talking with you. And listeners, if you want to hang out with me and Aaron, the owner of the show, we are The Shelby Show and Aaron Amugastegi on the gram. As always, hit us with feedback. We want to know if you're on YouTube and you're watching this, throw them in the comments. Or, you know, if you're on the gram, shoot us a DM. So, uh, yeah, we're here to get better and always be growing. And Carly, again, thank you so much for hanging out today. And Real Estate Rockstars, thanks for listening. Thank you for having me. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.